Welcome to the Habits of an Impactful Fundraiser from We Are For Good Studios. This limited podcast series is designed to help you get clarity for your role within a nonprofit and help you build the habits that lead to long-term growth to find balance along the journey. Today, we're talking about the habits of an impactful board member, and there is nobody that I would rather talk to about boards than our friend Sabrina Walker-Hernandez. She's the founder of Supporting World Hope, which is this incredible consultancy that pours into board development and training, but Sabrina has spent her life in this work, and so her lens today is very so practical, but it's also rooted in experience, and I just can't wait to share this conversation with you. I'm so excited to have Sabrina back on the podcast. Like, get up to this table, Sabrina. Hello. Good to see you. I am so excited to be here. And I just (laughs) love this format, let me say, because busy professionals don't have time. They want the one, two, three here. Hit it. So I'm so excited for that. I mean, Sabrina, we got to kick it to you too, because you like fell in love with this space. Why did it become such a critical part of your work and your focus? Well, you know, I love working with boys boards because it takes a team effort. And really, when people get on a board of directors, a lot of times they're on that board, you know, they have different motivations for being on the board. Let's start there, right? And you have to lean into what their motivation is. And you also have to lean into what their strengths are. And so I serve on a board. I'm sure you've served on a board. A lot of people have served on a board and they want to do good, Mm -hmm. but they just need to be told what to do. And I think a lot of times CEOs um, don't do that because they don't want to feel like they're being bossy. Well, at the end of the day, you have Mm. to be bossy, quote unquote, because as to be a good board member, we want to know what it is that we need to do. So you need to tell me, I'm not running the day-to-day operations of your organization. I don't know what you need. I have my full-time job. I have my family. I know I'm here. I know I want to help. So you have to tell me what I need to do. You can't not tell me and then get frustrated and say, well, my board doesn't do anything. Amen. And if you're doing a great job with your onboarding, there's no surprises that the board member knows exactly what they're walking into. They know what they've signed up for. And so that's, that's just a little, I guess, pro tip that we haven't even dove into the tactics yet, but that is a great solid point, Sabrina. That, that is a great solid point. And that's one of my um, frustrations is people don't want to talk with board members doing the recruitment process about fundraising. They try to stay. I've heard people say, no, 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 we're not going to talk about fundraising because that's going to scare them away. I go, that is so unfair. You're just going to spring it on them, huh? (laughs) So you got to talk about it during the fundraising. I mean, during the recruitment process and you got to structure how you talk about fundraising, right? It's not all about just asking for money. It is about building relationships and all those components. Well, I love that segue because I feel like the reason we wanted to really lean into this series this season is because we really believe in playing the long game. And the long game is predicated on doing a certain set of things that are aligned with the right bigger question that you're trying to attack or right big goal over a long period of time. And so we want this series to like unlock and get focused on what is the bigger, better question that board members should be asking about their engagement And then I want to unpack, like, what are the habits, you know, the daily things that they can do to get them there. So let's start with this big question. What is the right questions that a board member should be asking about their involvement? I think the right questions that a board member should be asking is, what are the expectations of me? How much time should, um, is devoted 
uh, to, to serving? What makes a good board member? What are the standards? What am I being judged by? Um, those are the questions that, those are the things that I ask when I join a, bo- a board. How much time is spent fundraising? How much time is spent on planning? How much time is spent in the meeting? Is there a meeting schedule? I can't believe it, guys. There's some, there's some organizations that don't have a standing meeting. And to me, that's a, that's a clue. If you don't have a standing meeting calendar, I'm probably not a good board member for you because I like to give at 100%, but I'm busy. And so I need to know when we're meeting. And so a board member, I need to know when the meetings are. I need to know what my expectation of giving is. What's my expectation of fundraising? How much, how long are the meetings? All of those kinds of things are things that board members should be asking and a good organization should be providing. Um, So if you haven't figured it out yet, I always like to include a document that says it takes about 120 hours to be an effective uh, board member in a year. And that's broken down by, you know, this much, this many hours in fundraising, this many hours in planning, this many hours, you know, in um, program volunteer. But people want to know, what am I committing to? Yeah, and that seems so basic, so kindergarten, but yet we do not do that. And I think it's just a common misstep. And that's what we want to attack in this series is what are the basic common things that we can do to not only set up our board members for success, but it's really setting up the mission for success. So I want to throw this one at you. I want you to attack this next question from two different viewpoints. I want to know what are the three daily habits or actions for success in this role? And I want it based off three habits from a board member and three habits from the executive director, because we're talking about two people who are coming at this relationship for very different reasons. So I think the three habits are for the CEO is habit one. Go in knowing what your game plan is for the board that week. I spent a lot of time, believe it or not, on Mondays in a restaurant, tucked in a corner, writing down, this is what I need to happen for my board this week. In order to hit these goals that I have, I need to call this particular, this specific board member and ask them to do this. I need to text this specific board member and ask them to do this because that's habit number two. After you write down what you're trying to accomplish, habit number two is communicating with them in their language, in their channel. Lots of board members don't like, some board members don't like emails. Some will respond to texts. Some will, you know, you have to figure that piece out and that's a tip. And then another daily tip is And I don't know if it's daily, but I did it weekly. I did this thing called um, Board Buzz, where I kind of wrapped up the week and told the board, this is what's happened. This is what's happened in the organization. And I highlighted other board members' participation in that process. One, to give them some ideas about how they can get involved as well. And then two, just to shout out those board members who did get involved that week in helping accomplish those goals. And then on the side of the board, one, I'm going to really focus in on the board chair because I think the relationship is with the board chair between the CEO and the board chair. And so with the board chair, 
one of the habits should be is to check in on your CEO. <laughs> Don't wait for your CEO to yes. call you. Wow. Check yeah. in once a week, right? Whether that's text, whether that's email, um, check in, not just to see, you know, what work is being accomplished, but check in on their well-being. Because at the end of the day, you need to have a relationship, right? A genuine relationship where you're supporting each other. So that's going to be one of the biggest habits that I think should happen around that. And then number two, um, it's going to go back again to if you're doing number one, this should be totally fine. Don't just check in when there's a crisis. You are there to really support the organization. And then the other habit, I would say the third habit for, for a board chair is to not just check in with the CEO, but check in with the entire board. You know, that conversation and talking to them should not just be happening when you have a board meeting. You should be checking in with your board collectively. I mean, okay, we of course love that. It value aligns with everything we talk about here because one of the one of the threads we want of all these habit conversations is to figure out where to prioritize time because all of obviously we're all working with scarcity of time. So from the CEO's perspective, how do they balance, you know, communicating with the board chair versus the board in general? So I would say the approach that I took and I and and that works is I'm gonna look at the the big the big picture. So as far as the board chair, you should really strive to have an authentic relationship with your board chair and have a standing meeting at least once a month with your board chair. That's where you go to lunch. You talk about what's happening in the organization. You talk about, you know, what are some of the challenges, some of the help I'm going to need from from you and from the board. And then that's going to build that relationship for not only when they're board chair, but for when they're not board chair and they're just on the board, they're going to be your board champion. They're going to be your advocate because they're going to see how much work you put into it. And then the board and whole I made it a point to meet with every single member of my board at least one time face-to-face outside of a board meeting. Like that's, you have to do that because again, you're building relationships with them. And then I identified three to four people on the board. Now I had a board of 21. I want people to know that I identified three to four people on the board that were going to be my board champions. And what do I mean by board champions? Those are the people who have your back. You know, you want to affect change. They will be your voice for you. It's coming from a board member. You, you might've stuck your foot in your mouth during a community meeting or something (laughs) like that. Which I've done. (laughs) They're they're gonna come and smooth it over with the community. Um, That board member who, um, you know, you have a conference and you want to take some a board member with you and introduce them to something new so they can come back and advocate it to the board. Those are your board champions. Have about three or four of them. They don't have to be the board chair. They don't have to be, but they have to be people that other board members respect. And you really, really focus on building a relationship, like on a genuine friendship with with these champions. Um, And that really is what I found to be the key is to have those board champions, have where you at least communicate 
go to lunch. I always say go to lunch because I love food, one. And two, you know, you build relationships over food, right? And so I will go to lunch or breakfast again with a board member, every single board member, at least one time outside of the boardroom setting and meet once a month with your board chair face-to-face, not email, not text, face-to-face. And I found that that really works, and not just anecdotally. I found that works because board members who come back to me, board chairs who've come back to me, and they said, you know, I really uh, appreciate that you develop that relationship, that you provided reminders, that you, you know, you, you had that. And I thought, honestly, I thought I was being bossy. I, I sometimes I question, am I being too bossy? You know, these are my bosses, but I'm telling them what to do. Am I being too bossy? Um, and they've come back continually and said, you know, I appreciate what you did. You held us accountable. I, it became, I had one board member, his name is um, Joe Kiroga and he's a president of a bank. And I really love Joe. And Joe said, you know, at some point it became where I did not want to disappoint you. And I was like, now you know you've arrived. He's like, it was like, man, I don't want to disappoint Sabrina, so I better do this or I better do that. And he said, I would set aside an hour and say, okay, I'm going to work on everything that she needs me to work on during this time because I didn't want to disappoint you. Okay, Sabrina, I, I got I to hit pause on, on all these rapid fire questions to make sure that no one missed what you just said there. That example with Joe, that is exactly what we're aiming for because that right there embodies that there is no power dynamic going on. The mission thrives more vibrantly when we're all in lockstep in the exact same um, rhythm, when there's not anyone reporting to anyone, when we're all just collectively moving toward the same goal. We had a brilliant conversation lately um, with two excellent board members. One was Mona Sinha, who's the chairman of Women Moving Millions, and another one was uh, Tara Abrahams, who's the board chair at She's the First. And they're talking about what does a modern board look like? And folks, if you missed those, don't you worry, because we're about to roll up a playlist that's going to have all of these board conversations about what modern boards look like um, in the show notes. So check those out. But it really, uh, the thing I took away from it was that when there's a partnership and not a power dynamic, the mission will succeed. And so, and it's also making me think back to our fourth core value, which is it's not about giving. It's about belief. We don't want to build donors in our organizations. We want to build believers. Believers show up differently. They show up not just, in, to, to John's point and to your point, during times of crises. They show up all the time. They give what they have. And it's not just monetary. You know, it's it's their time to what you said, their treasure. It's their network. It's their influence. So I love absolutely every all of this. And I'm wondering, like, what are some of the do this, don't do that habits that make a really good board member? So what makes a really good board member is people that are willing, again, to give their time. Do this. Show up to the board meetings. <laughs> do that <laughs> um, at minimum. When you are at the board meeting, ask questions. Participate in the board meeting. If you are the CEO and you're doing most of the talking, is that really a board meeting? Wow. Right? It's a board <laughs> meeting. Yeah. 
So as a board member, you have to participate in the meeting. Um, you need to be leading the discussions. The CEO, in my opinion, I always say that, my opinion, the CEO is there to provide um, additional information. But if the CEO is doing their job in advance, that means you're sending out the board packets in advance. And that means that the board um, member has time to review the packet. Um, you have an agenda and it says who's assigned to speak on what topic. That's where the bossy comes in, right? You are assigned to speak on this topic. Um, There's a reason bosses in bossy. Like yeah. you don't feel empowered <laughs> to go for that. The next step, and this is a good ha habit too, you send out that board packet, but the people who are going to lead a discussion, you pick up the phone and you call them and you say, okay, on this board agenda, you're leading this discussion. Have you had a chance to review the packet? Let me give you a summary of what that, what, what that entails. Do you have any questions? Yes. Will it take time from you as a CEO? Yes, but imagine the productivity that you're going to get. And you're setting that standard of, okay, I need to look at these packets. Whereas if you're the CEO who maybe sends out the packet, but don't make those calls, and then you get to the board meeting and you're doing all the talking, nobody's probably looked at those packets, right? What you're doing is you're gaining your board members' respect. So in gaining your board members' respect, you don't, you don't have those board members who will micromanage because they are trusting you. When micromanaging happens, it's usually a lack of trust in that partnership. And so you need to put efforts in place where you gain that trust. I mean, it's about trust. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I just keep hearing that thread and everything you're saying and the love you have this is coming from a place of love. And I feel that in how you talk, because when you align believers in your mission, like this should be such a magnet for donors and just for energy, good energy moving into your organization. So, I mean, Sabrina, we talk a lot about KPIs or key performance indicators. You know, fundraisers are really held to a lot of those. What are those KPIs that really matter to a board member? Like what should they be paying attention to maybe for their own service or what they should be paying attention to for an organization? And what doesn't matter? It depends on the organization. So um, I happen to serve on several different boards, but one of the common KPIs is I always look at is um, financials, of course. Now there are some boards um, that put the financials on consent agenda. I mean, if you're in a really healthy place, that's, that's always good. Um, but then there's some that you know, finances are discussed. Whether it's in consent agenda or it's an actual discussion, I always look at the financials. That's one. And then depending on the organization and what your mission is, um, I look at a uh, number of clients that are served, right? Be, um, if Again, depending on your mission and where you're going. But a number of clients that are served is also a good uh, KPI uh, to look at as well. So money, any KPIs associated with money um, and also with client serve. But the other, the other one that I'm going to say that I think board members should be looking at is going to be how their agenda is structured and really looking at those strategic plan goals. Because I think your agenda, how it is developed should really 
be dictated by your strategic plan goals. And looking at that every month or quarterly or bi-monthly or however often you meet is a great way to make sure your organization is moving forward. Because a lot of times you get these strategic plans and you, you go through a retreat and you spend the time, but then that plan becomes like a relic on the shelf. And I was no going to call it a dust catcher. Yes. Yeah. No one gets it back out. <laughs> yeah. No one gets it back out. So if you align your KPIs with your strategic plan and have it at the forefront of your agenda, you know, as the, uh, the background, the framework of your, your board agenda, that's what I would look at. Okay. Wow. I'm going to throw uh, something in here out of left field because it's something that I really want to tackle with boards and I'd love to get your perspective on. How do we talk to our boards about innovation? How do we work into the conversation how important it is for us to try stuff, to put money in the budget for that, to put time in our calendars for that? What advice would you give to somebody out there who is really trying to push that maybe even as a value, a cultural value for the organization? Chicken and egg, right? Um, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, because what I've learned is if I, again, it goes back to kind of like that board champion. If I can get one board member to go, and the right board member, to go to like a national conference of some sort and get that energy and that inspiration and be surrounded with other organizations and board members who... Um, have had that problem, innovated through that problem, and found a solution, right? Then that energy that that board member gets can come back and they start talking and converting other board members. And I've always found that getting your board members to trainings or conferences outside of the community has been so helpful in, in my journey. It really has. But having started off with a budget of $750,000, right? One of the first things that people cut is travel and training. Yeah, so that's why I said chicken and egg. Bye-bye professional development. Right. And professional development. So if you could just carve out some monies where you can get yourself and one change maker to a conference and that change maker has that energy and that respect of other board members and can come back and champion that energy spreads that's what i've seen work and there's nothing like going out and finding out that your organization is not that unique and that others have dealt with that problem and they've solved that problem. And you actually have solved problems that that other organization is struggling with. And there's synergy in that. And there's energy and synergy in that. And then bringing that back to your board. I love that instructive because that's something that everybody can wrap their arms around. So we want to round out these conversations talking about our mental health. I mean, it's tough being a board member among all the other things you listed Give us a piece of advice for mental health sake of like, how can you do this and also take care of yourself? Well, I serve on three boards, so I might not be the best person, best person to talk to about this, <laughs> but I do. Honesty. I serve on three boards. You know, it's that 80-20 rule. 
right? It's it's all it's always that you know um, where certain people are doing more work, and I think for mental health purposes, you have to realize that if you step back, someone else will step forward, and it's okay. It is okay. So allow that to happen for yourself. Give yourself grace. It's the best thing that I can say. So as we're rounding out this conversation, I think it's incredibly important to talk about somebody who's doing this really well. So talk to us about a board member who has stood out to you as being someone who embodies all those luminary qualities that we're all looking for in a board member. Do you have a story for us? I'm happy for the opportunity to be able to to speak this name because I always believe in speaking people's name. And the person and name that I like to speak that if anybody could get themselves a board member like this, her name is Ella De La Rosa. Um, she passed away from breast cancer, but I am telling you, mm. she was a board champion. When I say a board champion, um, you couldn't ask for a better board member. I could be myself with her. I called on her for advice. Um, If I needed her to go to a meeting with me, she was there. If I needed her to, she was my catalyst that I took to a conference and came back and inspired the board members. She was the catalyst that said, okay, we need to do this capital campaign. And how do we do that? She was that catalyst. Um, and that's one woman, one one woman who changed the dynamics of our organization, who changed the dynamics of our board. Um, and I will tell you, this is a story I will tell of Ella. Um, I, I, I said she uh, passed away of breast cancer. And so she was going through some things at the time. But I remember one time she was going to the emergency room and um, I get a phone call from her as she's going into the uh, emergency room saying she's going to miss the board meeting. <laughs> she was so sad because oh it was gosh. her first board meeting that she was going to miss. That is a um, She was wow. all in. When I say all in, she was all in. And, and the other thing is she was not retired. She was a Western division um, manager for a huge company. She had a number of employees reporting to her. Um, she was also not only like board chair for my board, she was a rotary board chair. Um, she was, she was board chair for three different organizations while she was battling cancer. And she didn't miss a beat with any of those. Um, I mean, just awesome lady. Uh, when I say an awesome lady and an awesome board member, I cannot speak her name enough and give her enough credit for everything that she did. And I'll add this one last thing, because every CEO needs this type of board member. Anytime anybody made me upset, I would write the email like I was responding to them, but I would send it to her. And she would say, <laughs> okay, now you got it out of your system. <laughs> and I was like, yes, thank you for letting me get what that out of my hack. system. That was a mental health tip as well. Yes. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes. So. Oh, man. I mean, what a full-hearted way to end this conversation. And I mean, Sabrina, we love the work that you're doing. I mean, you named your organization Supporting World Hope, which is just shows the kinship that we have with you and just how you show up and serve. Can you point people to how they can find you online? You are just such a powerhouse. 
All the yes, just connect. visit my website at www.supportingworldhope.com. From there, you can you can connect with me on all my social media platforms and learn a little bit about me. And I'll just give a double plug in there. If you're somebody who's listening to this, nodding your head saying, I need this for my organization, please come find Sabrina. She is so brilliant at working with boards and moving them through the evolution of being that advisory board to being a working board where everyone feels like they matter, that their time is very intentional. And please build out an intentional plan for your board members during the year. I I think it will reshape not only engagement, but leadership and culture. So thank you, my friend, for bringing the tips. We learned so much and just love sitting in your orbit. Thank you. 